I want, I want, I want. The whole world runs on desire. Babies are born from desire. And once they're born, they spend their whole life struggling to fulfill desires. All of life can be defined as a struggle to fulfill desire. This is true not only for humans, but for so-called lower species, even the plants, which have very limited consciousness. They try to grow toward the sun to fulfill their desire. Life equals desire. An example of how <clears throat> prominent desire is in our life is exemplified by the advertising industry. It's called an industry. It doesn't really produce anything except discontent in the minds of people. It aims to produce discontent in the minds of people that you don't have what we are advertising so you have to give us your money so that you can get what we are offering, which will fulfill the desire which we just created in your mind by our advertising industry. It's a multi-billion dollar enterprise which runs on <coughs> creating <coughs> and stoking desires in people's minds, uh, often emphasizing the, the most primordial sexual desires and other sidekicks of sexual desire, especially prestige, which is after all a subtle manifestation of sexual desire. Prestige. Ah, you have to buy this not just any car, but our car, because it's very expensive and prestigious. Uh, yeah, prestige. Ah, and that will show you to be better than others. Ah, and then the, then the women will be more. They'll look up to you, and the men also. So, that you, <laughs> so in this way, desire. Yeah. Although we may show someone in a very looking very sophisticated, talking in a very suave way with suit and tie and looking very civilized, it's all just playing on sexual desire. And the advertising industry runs knowing that people can be manipulated according to their desires, and it's fabulously successful. Our world is shaped by desires which are implanted in our minds by hidden persuaders. One of the most influential people of the 20th century, his name is hardly known, not very widely known, Edward Barney. He was a nephew of Sigmund Freud. And he took some aspects of Freud's theorizing uh, 
to shape the public relations and advertising industries with the idea that we can shape people's desires. Tremendously influential by mm, creating a whole awareness and a, uh, of that people's desires can be manipulated in, in subtle ways and on a mass scale. Uh, that was already known in human society, but not not in a not in not in such a systematic way that he presented it. And he was also very influential in, uh, for instance, getting women to smoke, which was considered taboo, but by his advertising techniques, he was able to promote that, and it was a great boost for the tobacco industry and. Uh, a great downturn for the feminine members of the human race who thought they were better off by smoking to show their, yeah, yeah, we're great, we're smoking, we can smoke too. We're showing our independence of thought by smoking, but it wasn't their independence of thought because it was Edward Barnet who made you think that you're thinking independently, but he was making you think that smoking will make you somehow or other better. And of course, it's not just in selling <coughs> products, some of which, unlike tobacco, are actually beneficial to human society. There are f must be some things the advertising industry advertises which have some benefit to human society. But also the advertising industry, the propaganda, it's most influential in politics uh, and practically in, in all spheres of civilized life as we know it in this <clears throat> very civilized 21st century. That we are at the pinnacle of human civilization, right, right, right? Yeah, sure. So this uh, PR, public relations, they don't call it public relations anymore. It became a bit of a pejorative term, so they use other terms like communications. And oh, and then there's also the, the human resources part of a, a section of corporations which <laughs> aim to keep, well, among the many things they do, they, they aim to keep people happy working for the company among other things. So this public relations, advertising, uh, tremendously influential in, t in telling people what you should desire, you should want. If you don't want a f the fancy cars that we are selling, you should want it. If you don't want to smoke, you should smoke. Of course, advertisements for t tobacco products are banned in many countries. Somehow or other they get their way to do their advertising. It works. That's why there's a multi-billion dollar advertising industry. The companies and political parties and so on wouldn't be spending their money on it if it didn't have its effect. Apart from that, there's a whole plague of so-called so life coaches out there advising you on how to get what you want. You want to be, they, they presume 
it seems, in advance that you want to be healthy. Okay, wealthy? Mm, not so sure about that one. Uh, you want to be healthy, you want to be wealthy, you want stable, fulfilling relationships, you want job satisfaction. This job satisfaction is just a bluff. <laughs> yeah. You would have job satisfaction if that's what you wanted to do. If you're not satisfied, it means you're stuck in a job that someone else says that you should want to do. Anyway, let's not get into that. So they're out there telling you how you can fill, fulfill all these desires and be a better, more successful person. This whole idea of being a successful person is a relatively uh, modern idea on a, on a mass scale that people should be successful. Uh, and to do that, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to alter your mindset and then all kinds of books are there telling you things like start with the end in mind and teach you how to do public speaking and tell you things like uh, shave a little bit for most audiences if you're going to go and give a public speech look at the camera and things like that uh, start with the goal in mind keep focus 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 hocus pocus uh, put a magnet on your fridge with one million dollar bill on it, although no such thing exists. And you imagine that you have a million dollars and this will help you to get a million dollars. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, although people live for desire, life equals desire, if you ask people on the spot without any uh, warning, what do you want most of all? What do you want in life? And most people, they might not be able to answer immediately. Or <clears throat> and if they are able to answer, often be something very shallow. I want a billion dollars. I want, name the name of some beautiful woman. So if you ask them what they... What do you want right now? I, I'd like a big chocolate, I'd like some chocolate ice cream, for instance, someone may say. Well, how much do you want? Do you want a gallon? You can eat that much? Two gallons? How much can we f fulfill a desire? Even if, even if we have a desire, how much can, it, how much can we indulge in it? I want beautiful woman. Yeah, okay. So, all right, go have sex. And then, okay, but can you go on 24 hours? No, after some time. Having sex with the most, if you're, if, okay, you want to have sex with a beautiful woman. Okay, provide one beautiful woman. And then after some time of engaging in the sexual act, it will actually become a torture to you. Maybe for her, it is from the very beginning. But for you, it becomes a story. Like, no, go on, more, more, more. You have to do more. No, no, it's become a torture. I, I don't have any strength. I've got pain, and so on and so on. What about this? Now, this is going to get pretty gross here. Now, let's say you, you want to... I want, I want to have a beautiful woman. I want to touch every part of her body. 
with my hand and to kiss every part of her body. Okay, all right, all right. How about putting your hand up her backside just when she's passing? Something out the back. Previous day's breakfast. How about that? How about kissing the rectum just when she's pooping? Uh, you want to kiss any part of her body? What about the poop that comes out? That's part of her body. You want to kiss that? What is it that we're attracted to? Well, this is, it's absurd if you think we're attracted to a body which, well, it incites desire, but if you think about it, it's blood and bones and liver and kidneys and poop and all kinds of things like that. Whether you think about it or don't think about it, <laughs> that's what it is. Ah, good news. Good news. Is it good news? Anyway, it may be news for some of you. That by the laws of nature, all desires will be fulfilled. For instance, if you want to have a lot of sex, actually a human body is not very conducive for that because to engage in sexual activity, just like in Thai, Thai language, I was in Thailand for some time, there's a saying, I'm, I used to be able to speak a little Thai, let's see if I can remember and get the pronunciation right. Uh, Mi nun, mi pu ying. That's approximate. It means if you have money, you have a woman. If you don't, you won't. <laughs> so you have to work hard to get money. And then so many, so many sufferings. And then you, and anyway, at the end of all that, at the end of all that, you eventually have sex and it's over finished quickly. So better, by the arrangement of nature, by, na by, by nature I don't just mean the idea, the, the neo-Darwinian Wallace evolutionary theory that there was a <laughs> huge explosion, everything settled down and then it all formed into different chemicals and some of the chemicals formed into cells and some of the cells formed into fish and some of the fish jumped on the land and became lizards. And to make a long story short, here we all are today civilized human beings. Uh, <clears throat> well, no, there, nature is going on, but there are subtle laws of nature which the whole of the Western civilization is ignorant of. Some people know a little bit about it, or they accept it. Reincarnation, it's a fact. We are not these bodies. Good news. Phew. I'm not the stuff I pass out the back. <laughs> That's not me. We're not the body. We travel from body to body to body according to our karma. So if one, if one is inclined to much sexual activity, then you can get the body of a monkey. There's no, there are no laws governing sex in the lower species of life. There's no divorce laws, no alimony, no going to work in an office or a factory so you can maintain a family and become a monkey. That's the laws of nature. No one gets a body according to one's desire. If one desires to eat all kinds of things indiscriminately, 
uh, a human body is not very good. Not very good. Then a pig body is much better. You can eat all kinds of things. And I say, well, a pig eats slops. I don't know if you even know that word, slops. We used to keep, as a kid, we used to keep all the stuff we threw out from the, from the kitchen. And then the farmer would come around every few days and pick up all the garbage stuff. And that would be fed to the pigs. Pigs, that's called slops. And then we'd eat the pig later. Oh, <laughs> another story. A uh, friend told me. Uh, he knew a friend who used to go mackerel fishing. Mackerel is a species of fish at a certain estuary where the effluent, the, the sewage was coming down. Lumps of that wonderful stuff we pass out poop, lumps of poop coming down, and the mackerel love to eat that. And then you catch the mackerel and you eat it. Very healthy, very healthy. A lot of, it's very oily fish and a lot of nutrition, but it's uh, reprocessed stool. So there you go, there's the cycle. You eat the mackerel, you pass out this, you pass out your poop, the mackerel eats your poop, and you eat the mackerel. It's, uh, you can make a little diagram and put it in your biology book. <clears throat> Our lives are under the control of higher powers, and thus we are put into different bodies to fulfill different desires. Maybe not exactly in the way we want to. Just like, for instance, we may want to be a leader, to be prominent in society, but there's a limited number of people who can be prominent. So if we don't have the requisite nastiness or chutzpah or whatever is required to be a leader in human society, our desire could be fulfilled in the next life as a leader of a pack of dogs running around in the street, which you may not get much in the Western countries, but here in South Asian countries, it's a standard feature of life. There are street dogs, and village dogs who run around at night and bark and yap. And one of them's the most prominent barker and yapper. So someone, when they're in the human form of life, had a desire to be prominent, stronger, and able to bark louder than the others, and got his desire fulfilled by the laws of nature as a dog. Uh, this discussion might seem very gross. Yeah, sure. But it is meant to highlight that what we want or what others tell us that we should want, it's all pretty gross. We desire to have a fancy car so that we can impress others. Well, that's the same desire as the big dog with big teeth who's very prominent and wants to impress the bitch. It's the same desire. In a, in a manifest in a different kind of body and a different kind of way, but it's the same thing. In other words, 
material desires are beastly, bestial. They're not on a they're not on a high level of consciousness. We're meant for a higher level of understanding. They don't bring happiness. It's the whole myth of life in this material world. It's the whole myth which the advertising industry it's like in a food mixer, everything gets all, you know, gets it mixed up. We all get mixed up. And the, the people in the advertising industry, they may know that this product won't bring you happiness. The salesman who's selling you something knows that it's just a bunch of rubbish which won't help you. But they also believe that by selling this junk to you, I'll get money, then I'll be happy. So we're all in a big, in a big net of illusion, in a whirlpool. Of, of, there are so many analogies that can be given. It doesn't bring happiness. Desire burns in our heart. In Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna says, Dushparenanalena cha. It's like, like a burning fire in our heart, which doesn't bring satisfaction or peace of mind. Uh, we may feel some satisfaction. I'm hungry, I get some food. That's okay, that's satisfaction. But that's not the deep satisfaction of our heart. We may think, well, I want lasting, stable relations. I want to live very happily with my family and lasting, stable, loving relationship. But there's no lasting relationship in this material world because we get booted out from one body to another body. So the idea that we can be happy by fulfilling desires, gross desires, is false. And there may be a little happiness. Oh, but but uh, even if we think, yeah, I'm not, I'm not just interested. I'm not interested in gross sex and and gross these gross things like showing myself to be a big man by driving a fancy car, which, uh, why, why bother with all that? I'm a simple kind of guy and I'm happy with simple life in this world, uh, look after my family, so on. It won't last. It won't last. Some examples are given to show how material happiness is not happiness, not actual happiness. One example is given, material happiness is like a drop of water in a desert. Say we're in a desert, hot, no water. We, we want we, water, we want we want water to drink. So we're so thirsty, we're going to die. And we want water, just pour some, pour, pour cold water on my head, cool me down. So someone comes running up and says, don't worry, I've got water for you. <sighs> so he brings out the water, brings out a dropper, one drop. Put out your tongue, one drop. So material happiness is like that. Our heart's desire is for profuse happiness. 
but we just get a little drop, which gives a little sensation of happiness, but it doesn't fulfill our desire, our need, and in fact, it makes us even worse because the hope of getting it becomes, we lived in that hope and the hope is frustrated. And just that little drop we get makes us think, well, there's something there, but something there, but no, it's insufficient to fully satisfy us. Another example is of taking a fish out of water. If we take a fish out of water, we can bring Miss Beautiful Fish as the fish. Of course, it's all parable type. So what do you want, Mr. Fish? We, we can provide anything you want. The most beautiful fish with the most beautiful you could ever imagine. And uh, what else? We can give you, uh, what do you want? Cocaine? Sure. You can snort it up. Uh, I'm not sure how you do that as a fish, but anyway, this is all just a silly example anyway. Uh, you, you want a nice, uh, you want to lie on the beach, have a holiday in the Bahamas, whatever you want. But the fish, whatever you provide, can't be happy. In fact, he's suffering terribly until he's put back in the water. So in the same way, we by nature are spiritual beings. We cannot be happy in the material atmosphere. We're trying to be happy with all kinds of things which can never satisfy us because we're like fish out of water. We're not in this, we're not where we belong. We don't belong in the world of birth and death. We're eternal spiritual beings by nature. By nature, we're not meant to die and be reborn. We're meant to enjoy full, unlimited bliss. But we're in the, we're in the wrong atmosphere, and therefore we are suffering. We don't know what we really want. And that's why so many people are coming along and telling us what we should want. From the earliest stage, we are told that, that now you should, young boy, you should behave like this. You should do like this. Boys don't cry. Stop crying. Huh? <laughs> you have to be strong. So we're, we're acculturated in ways that our parents, no doubt, if we have parents, uh, no doubt wishing the best for us. They, they culturize us to the way in which they think we should live our lives. <clears throat> and the whole advertising industry comes along and tells you should want this, you should be like this, you should be like that. But actually no one knows what we really want. It's like the blind leading the blind. No uh, blind man can probably lead another, but if a blind man thinks he's competent to lead someone else and actually takes the role of a guide, 
then what's what's happening? Then we're heading for a disaster. Then we all fall down. We all fall down and suffer. So instead of being told by someone who doesn't know what we should, we don't know what we want. We may think we know, but it doesn't bring us what we th what we think it will bring, which is full happiness. So we should find out, not from someone else who doesn't know, but find out from someone who knows, who, re who has realized, who understands, and who realizes that all material happiness leads to misery and repeated birth and death. It cannot satisfy our heart, just like a drop of water in the desert cannot satisfy cannot satisfy us. To know what we, we really want to know means to know, first of all, who we really are. We cannot be satisfied by bodily or mental adjustment because we are not the body. We are by nature spiritual beings, which means by nature by our true spiritual nature, we're not the skin and blood and hair and fat and muscle and lymph system that constitutes the human bodies that we're presently incarcerated in. Nor, we may think, yeah, well, I'm on a higher platform. See, I'm interested in art and music and science. This is the mental platform. But the mental platform is based on the misunderstanding that I am this body. So the mental platform also cannot satisfy us. It's, it's misunderstanding. By misunderstanding we cannot, by misunderstanding of who we are and what we need, what we want, what is happiness, then we're lost. We cannot attain what we actually want and need. We are eternal spiritual beings meant for spiritual eternal bliss. For millions of lifetimes, we've been searching for happiness. Whatever we do, we're, in whatever life, we're, we're searching for happiness, trying to fulfill desires, Sometimes as a human, sometimes as a dog, sometimes as a cat, sometimes as a fish, sometimes as a plant, on different planets throughout this universe and other universes. We can go on for millions and millions of lifetimes and come to, until we come to understand what we really want. And understanding what we really want we can begin to find that out when we come to understand that whatever we've been looking for, whatever we think we wanted in this life and untold lives before this, is not what we really want. And even though every living being in this world is running on the misunderstanding of how we should direct our desires, we have to stand apart from that. Just because everyone is doing it doesn't mean that it's right. We have to take a different path. So what is the secret? How are we going to find out? Well, 
I have the audacity to tell you here, or the <coughs> the uh, the goodness to tell you, or whatever it is, that that which you're searching after for millions of lifetimes. And you could go on for many more millions, billions, trillions, zillions, quadzillions of lifetimes. I'll tell you right now what you really need. And I'm not in an advertising nature. I'm not in an advertising company. I'm not out to make money out of you. Uh, I'm not out to exploit you. But I, by great good fortune, which can happen to any one of us at any time, uh, I happen to have it, I'm convinced of that. I happen to know what we should really want, which can really satisfy us as eternal spiritual beings now and forever. The knowledge that can save us from repeated birth and death, repeated birth and which is caused by uh, unfulfilled desires. How to, what is it that we should desire will fulfill us completely and eternally so that we don't have to be born again in this material world? Okay, I'll tell you right now. Saving you millions of lifetimes. If you're willing to accept it, that's up to you. So, our heart's yearning for happiness is ultimately a yearning <coughs> for love. However, love in this material world is always incomplete, tends to cause disappointment and frustration, and temporary. I love someone, they die, or I die, or even before one of us dies, somehow what we thought was full and perfect love turns sour. So real love, real happiness, what, our, what is our real heart's desire that for that real love? It's full, complete, perfect, and eternal, and this is the secret. This full love is possible only with Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. Say that name, Krishna. Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead, the supremely attractive person, the supreme loving person whose love is unlimited by connecting with whom through the process of bhakti yoga, the yoga of devotion, our heart's desire is fulfilled totally, completely, ecstatically, forever. We're looking for Krishna. In everything that we do, we're, we're looking, looking here. Oh, shall I, shall I buy this? Shall I buy that? Shall I do this? Shall I do, do that? Shall I counter that person? Shall I go to another person? In everything, in every lifetime, we're looking for Krishna. But the nature of this world is that it is as if we're cut off from Krishna. Bhakti yoga means 
the yoga of love by which we reconnect with Krishna. That's it. That's the secret. Not difficult to understand. Doesn't require one to be a great scholar of philosophy or Sanskrit or any such thing. Easy to practice. Reviving our love for Krishna begins simply by saying Hare Krishna. And you can say more. You can say Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. That's it, simple. That's what we all really want. This is the one, the one place to go, to the lotus feet of Krishna, where we'll be fully satisfied eternally, forever. Hare Krishna. Dante nidhaya chunakang padaya nipatya kritva chakakushatameta daham bravimi he sadava sakala eva vihaya durachitanya chandra charane kurutan uragaha vancha kalpataru bhyas chakripa sindhubi evicha Patitanam pavane bhyo vaishnave bhyo namo namaha.